Welcome to season four of the Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom, where we discuss business agility through customer experience, employee experience, and digital transformation. I'm your host, Greg Kilstrom. The Agile World Podcast is brought to you by Tech Systems, an industry leader in full stack technology services, talent services, and real world application. For more information, go to techsystems.com. To read more about the topics discussed on this show, you can go to my website at gregkilstrom.com and read my latest articles or get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, now available on Amazon and other retailers. My name is Greg Kilstrom, and I'm the host of the Agile Brand Podcast. Today, we're going to talk about using AI and machine learning to achieve predictive brand intelligence and what this means for marketers in a shift to a world of first-party data strategies. To help me discuss this topic, I'd like to welcome Grant McDougall, co-founder and CEO of Blue Ocean. Grant, welcome to the show. Greg, thanks for having me. Um, really excited to, to be here and to be talking about brands and how they can use data to understand their competitors and ultimately drive performance. Yeah, looking forward to talking about this with you as well. Um, why don't we start by you giving a little background on yourself and what you're currently doing at Blue Ocean. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm Australian. I live in San Francisco. Um, my background started um, in in the internet back in the, the late 90s. Uh, really got excited about the notion of technology and experiences coming together. Um, I started my career at a company called Spike, um, which is Australia's first digital company. Um, and that kind of I fell in love with the notion that you could create meaningful experiences for for brands and people. Um, I then spent some time at Modem Media, which was based out here in the, the US, um, you know, working on companies like General Motors and uh, Hewlett-Packard, um, and then went to, to Digitas, um, which was a, you know, led by a really inspired leader, David Kenny, um, and then into the holding companies. And I continue to just really build on this notion that you could use data experiences and creative um, to build meaningful experiences in real time. Um, about seven years ago, uh, I, I met my business partner, Liza Nebel, um, and we just saw eye to eye on the notion that um, you could bring this machine-based intelligence to the creative product, um, and we started a company to do that, and we discovered Blue Ocean as part of that. And so you know, what we've been doing over the last three years is um, using the, the very assets that brands use to drive demand, to measure them relative to their competitors, um, and to make that human readable and understandable. So, you know, you're not talking about lifetime value or you're not talking about data sets. You're talking about recommendations and things that marketers can use to drive performance. Well, let's, uh, let's start by talking about uh, consumer sentiment and other ways that brands can learn more about where they should focus their marketing efforts. So with Blue Ocean, you've defined the category of predictive brand intelligence. Uh, for those listening, what does that mean for marketers and, and what are the, some of the tools and methods that this either augments or replaces? Yeah, so when we think about it, it's, it's really the, the notion of decision intelligence. And so using brand as the lens. Um, and for us, everything starts with the brand. It's the commercial strategy of a company and it includes, you know, what are they doing from a marketing and advertising perspective? What's their content strategy of the company? How do they actually go to market? Um, and what's the relative performance? Does it actually increase market share? Um, do, does the brand grow as a consequence? And then ultimately, it, 
is all of the emotional values. So what are your customers saying? What are your employees saying? And um, what's the news saying about you? Once you can do that, you have the ability to see the whole playing field. And I think that's an important component of decision intelligence through the lens of brand. Um, and what that allows companies to do is to understand where to start and where's the answer so they can actually do what they're fantastic at, which is ultimately using the human creativity inside the marketing organization to take action um, on, uh, on the thing that, that really matters to them in line with their strategy. And so to follow on to that, um, some of what you're talking about is, is really finding ways to prioritize, right? So how does, what, can you give an example of, you know, how, how would an organization use some of these insights to, to reprioritize strategies? Yeah. I mean, we, we've got, you know, a really large client in Microsoft. We're across 17, um, lines of their business on the commercial side. Um, and so when we think about, um, how do you do that? You know, how do you make those decisions as the CMO? You know, we've created a framework which has um, five areas in it. It's called familiarity, um, uniqueness. Uniqueness is all about are you different in the category from a differentiation perspective? Consistency, what's the shape of your marketing? Um, and you know, do people recognize it? Is it timely? Um, is it driving the necessary commercial results and then ultimately on the last side it's about reverence and you know is there a loyalty component what we do is we bring the brand or the product and six of its competitors into uh, an environment so you can see them and often what we see is you know is there a relative underinvestment on the media side are you attracting the right um, you know sort of consideration to the brand and ultimately are people sharing it that gives us a good understanding of share of voice um, so you know, what happens in large portfolios that allows the, the CMO to say, well, great, actually we are underinvested in this brand. Um, and you know, we need to increase spend. Often that's a really subjective conversation between the CFO and the CMO. Um, you know, and you know, now we're providing the necessary data for, for those kind of spend related, um, elements. The other component is, you know, in the case of um, someone at Microsoft, that they've got a you know, really high brand um, reverence, but you know, they they really need to build um, an understanding of the developer community, for instance. And so, what they're doing is they're using the reverence score as a, a means to establish an OKR in the business, um, and then use that to um, really measure performance against it. We've had some other examples, Greg, you know, um, our, our friends at Juniper Networks working directly with the CMO, um, he, he tooled Blue Ocean into his environment last year. Um, and the brand team, as a consequence of being able to demonstrate that they had a gap um, in their, their advertising um, and marketing, um, was able to, you know, sort of forex their budget um, because they could actually have the conversation at the board level and they were using brand metrics to drive that. And so our market index or scorecard allows CMOs to not only have a unified language, but to be able to communicate um, with quant data at CFO and at the board level um, for the first time, which is really exciting. How does an agile approach um, help make this even more effective? I mean, so, you know, you're talking about 
um, using AI, ML, you know, working humans and, and machines working together. But, you know, is, is there an agile component to this, whether it's formal agile or just an agile mindset? Yeah, it's definitely, um, you know, we, we as a business, you know, subscribe to, to agile. That's how we build our software. And I've always thought that that marketing needed to have a, a refocus. And so um, examples where, you know, we were going into COVID and a lot of the, the companies that we were working with um, were trying to respond in real time. And so um, they used Blue Ocean to, to understand what were the themes that were being driven what were their competitors doing, both on, you know, the content that they were producing, the brand, um, and so they got to this point where they could actually understand the starting point more quickly, and um, ultimately that allowed them to launch campaigns uh, at a, a more rapid pace, iterate on the messaging, see if it was resonating uh, with audiences, and continue to develop, um, you know, work against that, and so the ability to see that information so having clarity of information is the the first point being able to iterate and not have to spend 12 weeks doing uh, traditional yeah. market research or um you know basically just be determined only on social listening really is changing behavior and so marketers are now at a point saying oh, great i have a confidence in the data and what that's allowing me to do is get to the starting point more quickly and to actually put more content uh, more activities, spend more in the right places and increase um, media working dollars. And ultimately, I think we're, we're seeing more efficiencies as a consequence, all through yeah. the agile mindset. And I would imagine that, I mean, that's also feeding better data into back into the funnel in the first place, right? You know, so in other words, you're not, you're not just running the same thing for 12 weeks and, and then checking back in, but, you know, because you're iterating you're actually getting better information and more accurate or, you know, things like that back into the system. Do, do you see that as well? I do, Greg. I think, I think there's a couple of things that we see, you know, as marketers, you know, digital as a, as a whole has had such a heavy bias in our communications mix because it could prove performance. Yeah. And, and what's happened is we've forgotten that you actually have to continually introduce your brand to consumers and that ultimately, and Byron Sharp talks about mental availability. I fundamentally believe because um, you can't iterate and you can take learnings, what it does is it widens the funnel. It allows you to experiment in new ways. Um, and I like to describe it as, you know, the digital marketers of the past, you know, we had these diminishing returns and it was like panning for gold. Um, you know, we were really keen about that. What we hadn't done is put water in the pan. And so, you know, <laughs> nice. for, for us, it's about, you know, you have to have brand investment. Otherwise, you get these diminishing returns on your digital investment. And you lose the, the share of kind of understanding within your audience. And so I think we're about to go back into a, an era of brand reinvention where the quality of content, the way that we produce um, information, all is going to be um, redefined because you know we're seeing you know the changes in privacy where it's not about one-to-one -one targeting. It's going to be all about how do I establish context and audiences um, to keep people engaged with my brand. Yeah, and that's that's actually a perfect segue. I wanted to wanted to switch gears to exactly that topic, and you know it's something that is certainly top of mind for for marketers these days is you know deprecation of third-party cookies by 
Google and, and others, as well as, you know, a lot of other um, changes as far as device ID tracking, everything like that. Um, for those, you touched on this a little bit already, but, you know, for those those a little less familiar with the, these issues, can you summarize kind of where where these issues kind of coincide with what you're working on? Yeah, so I think there's, there's two things to think about, you know, digital of the past. So think about what's powered Google's business has been last click attribution. So you go in, you do a search, you take an action, the marketer sees that action um, and ultimately gets rewarded. And so you can actually see a relationship between what you're doing and the outcome. And so that, that's been the fundamental premise of digital, be it a display ad or through programmatic media or any experience. Um, how the how you get tracked through that process is through those cookies. You know, it basically gets placed a unique ID um, on your action, and marketers use that to do many other things, like um, target you in media, um, to personalize experiences, to to really get it to a one to one um, basis. I think what's what's happening now is you know people have realized that they are being marketed to, that their data is being being sold, that um, their information is being used to, to almost profile them. And so you saw what Apple did with um, device IDs and, and locking that down, using privacy as a, a means to differentiate their products. People like yeah. DuckDuckGo have come into the market. What that has done is meant that you know, marketers have had to change the way that they market. So the old digital techniques, which I, I think is really funny, right? We're, we're talking about digital as a whole, um, you know, yeah. is almost a legacy product. Means what we have to have to, which is weird. We have to we have to change the way that we think about it. You know, we have to go back and say, okay, great. Well, how were brands built in the fifties? Brands were right. built by you know producing great content, which happened to be advertising, so we could get audiences to coalesce around them. And then we marketed to them. Um, we didn't know who they were. We just knew that people loved high quality content that mattered to them. So I think we're going back more, more back to, to that kind of mindset where brands are going to increase the value um, of the content they're producing. They're going to um, ultimately spend more time um, fascinating on the context of what they're producing for their audience. Um, and then beginning to drive, um, you know, using brand as the, the means to collect that audience in a meaningful way. And so where does, where does AI and ML fit into, into this mix as well? Look, I think um, if you think about, you know, the, how do you understand context? You have to ultimately be able to understand the whole playing field. You need to know what ads are being produced. Um, what's being consumed? What are your competitors doing on a relative basis? How are they shaping um, their marketing? What's their what's their performance um, on a revenue perspective? And then how do people feel about that? You can't do that just by being a human and observing it. It's just too slow. We live in a digital context which is changing rapidly. So you need to you need to have tools and techniques that can observe that content, learn. Um, from what's being said, how it's being um, placed on a media perspective. And so we use machine learning to not only ingest that content, but to learn from it. You know, what's effective advertising? 
you know, what are competitors saying? Where's the white space? And we do that at scale um, across hundreds of thousands of brands. Talking a little bit more about this, you know, just understanding the customer, I feel like the the North Star, so to speak, is one-to-one personalization, one-to-one omni-channel personalization, you know, true like multi-touch attribution. You know, how how close are we to that? You know, is that science fiction still or is that, you know, how close are we to to living in that world? I think we are living in a hyper-personalized world. So when I think about, think about your Nikes, if you bought a pair of Nikes and you personalized them, yeah. right? That, yeah. that, that exists today. Um, think about recommendations on, on Netflix, you know, what you like. You're, you're living in that, that, that environment, I think. So we, we definitely have got to the point where um, machines and marketers understand their users and can target them based on how they feel, what they think, and more importantly, how they behave. And so um, the, the component of that's difficult is actually getting into attribution. So, you know, your action and, you know, what happened, uh, when it's in a complete closed digital environment, that's live, that's real. We can do that, we can see it. The challenge is, you know, for, for marketers that use non-traditional digital media, they've, they've got market mix models. So people like the Nielsen's and the Comscores of the world um, have spent a lot of time building brand equity models, which are often slow. Um, and there's not a, a linkage between action and sales. And so it ends up being very, very expensive. Um, it's going to get harder to do that. And you're going to need context-aware applications as inputs to drive those because you're going to lose a lot of your digital signal from your perspective i mean you know what what advice would you have to you know let's say the 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 marketer there that maybe isn't quite um isn't quite as advanced as some of the things that we're talking about here but um understands this stuff enough to know that you know definitely there needs to be a move to first party marketing um, listening and, and understanding the customer has always been key, but you know, th- with the tools available, um, certainly, um, certainly more and more possible as well as more and more important. Like what, where, what should they be paying attention to that maybe is either slipping under the radar or, you know, what, what, what should be top of mind for them right now? Yeah. Uh, so for me, the first thing I would do is I would take a market driven approach to understanding what competitors are doing, um, have the ability to see that transparently and be able to act. Um, the second thing I'd be doing is I'd be saying, look, you know, first party data is really important. And the, the tools that you've used to acquire first party data from your field and from your channel partners and from your direct sales environments, that's great. But you have to keep fueling that data. And the only way that we're gonna be able to fuel that data in the future is by doing brand-led activities. So continually um, reimagining, reintroducing, creating compelling content to, to bring to customers, to give them a reason to come and spend time with your brand. Because if you don't do that, the value of your first-party data is going to decline. You know, you're not going to be able to continue to add um, new users, new behaviors, all of the things that really start to make that data set valuable um, and it's largely going to decay. So you're going to have to take um, you know, a brand-first approach and understand that you're probably going to need to give up 
some of the classic demand generation activities to make space for it in your communications mix. They need to get comfortable with being uncomfortable because you can't quantify all that investment, but it's going to be an absolute necessity um, if you're a B2B marketer or a B2C marketer. You know, I, I sit with a lot of CMOs today talking about how can we put more heart, more empathy into our, in our brands so we can attract, acquire, and retain customers through what we're saying and doing as a, a brand in content and then using that as a means through the value exchange with them to, to drive outcomes that you can remarket to. Yeah, I, I, lo- I love the what you said as far as being comfortable with being uncomfortable, because I mean, I do think that's, you know, many things, you know, that have happened recently have, have caused us to, you know, have to rethink assumptions and um, and as well as just the, the way the world's moving. I mean, I think things are moving um, in a direction as far as um, data being so important as well as just needing to understand the customer. So that's definitely, definitely agree with that. I think that might be uncomfortable <laughs> for some people as, you know, as, as that phrase would suggest, but it's, you know, it is, it is a matter to kind of take it back to agile, you know, thinking here is, you know, you don't have to be a scrum master to appreciate the need to be agile and adapt and, and be comfortable with change, right? Exactly. You know, one thing I've got to say about COVID, be it for all its negatives, it's had some really positive things. And I, you know, it's really made CEOs become the chief brand officer. And so if you look at Satya at, at Microsoft, the way he led um, the company through through that crisis was he used empathy to make sure that, you know, he was putting people back to work. Um, if you went and looked at ServiceNow, you know, the way that they responded was in an agile way, but it was through their customers, telling the story of the customers helping people. Um, and, and then ultimately, all of the tools and technologies that were deployed as a consequence were obviously software and um, were meaningful, but they came through this lens of emotion, being authentic, and really trying to be helpful. And so um, I was really pleased to see the, the shift in the mental mindset um, in CEOs. It was less about market performance and it became, well, what are we doing within the communities we operate? How are we actually responding to this in real time and how are we making a material difference to people's lives? And then on top of that, it's forced us all to be digital at the core, even if you're a grandmother. Yeah, yeah, to- totally agree. And I, I, I do think, you know, there's enough bad stuff happening in the world all the time. Like, it, I think it's very important that we do find the the glass half full <laughs> um, approach. And I know I totally agree with that. I think you know the brands and and customer relationships have made some some big strides over the last couple of years. Some out of necessity, and and some, I would say, you know, to your point about the CEO, some out of empathy, which I think is actually quite um, <laughs> quite a positive thing. Um, so yeah, well, I, it's been great talking with you here. Um, definitely, um, you know, we'd love to have you back on the show sometime to talk a little more on the stuff we touched on towards the end even, but, mm-hmm. um, for those, uh, listening, uh, what's the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Yeah. So definitely just www.blueocean.ai or you can, um, follow me on Twitter or LinkedIn. Um, and if anyone 
wants to contact me, um, you can get me at grant at blueocean.ai and I'm, I'm happy to take questions and I'd love to come back and talk about empathy, leadership, and how you can use brands to, to drive a meaningful impact, um, not only for your employees, but for the customers that you're, you're serving and the communities that you operate in. I think it's um, the next phase of what we've got to do. Well, again, I'd like to thank Grant McDougall, co-founder and CEO of Blue Ocean for joining the show. Thanks for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom. Talk with you next week. Thanks again for listening to The Agile Brand with Greg Kilstrom podcast, brought to you by Tech Systems. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to subscribe on your podcast channel of choice and leave us a rating so that others can find the show more easily. You can access more episodes of the show at www.theagilebrand.show. To get a copy of my latest book, Meaningful Measurement of the Customer Experience, visit my website at gregkillstrom.com. Until next week, stay agile.